0: with me in my foul life.
1: What's up? What's up? What's up? Podcast world. Chad Belding back at you. Another episode of the foul life podcast. Thank you so much for supporting the partners and sponsors that support us and all of our brands and all of our endeavors and content. Any way you look at it from TV to podcast to the social media live events. Thank you all so much. Again, today's episode of the foul life podcast is brought to you by our friends at Traeger. You know exactly what I'm talking about with Traeger. You heard Tyler Stark on here. You've heard Chad Ward. You've heard Matt Pittman. You've heard a lot of different people that rely on Traeger to make them a better outdoor backyard aficionado. And with Traeger, anybody can do it. And that's what's so cool about it. You can create awesome meals. We do a lot of wild game, but it doesn't matter if you're a vegetarian and you want to do all your vegetables on there. To Traeger, we'll do it all the way down to dessert. So check them out, TraegerGrills.com. The new app just launched, and it is awesome. You can get your Timberline your ironwood and your pro series up to 500 degrees for reverse searing and like i said put a cake in there put your chocolate chip cookies in there just test it and uh, become better a better provider that's what we're trying to do here so thank you traeger grills today's episode we have a very very special guest he's been here before he's been on this life ain't for everybody he is what you call another he i compare him to dave stanley i think this man remy warren is a master outdoorsman and i know that this quarantine is probably like like the hardest thing in the world for this man and his wife remy how are you brother
0: good good man yeah the quarantine i'm it's just it's strange for everyone um but you know we'll survive. I've been I've been mowing through mounds of meat, getting getting to some of the stuff in the freezer that I'm like I should probably do something with that. I've actually yeah. got my fridge spaces just occupied right now. I've got uh, all kinds of grind that because a lot of times I'll butcher and then I'll like cube it up and grind it all at once later. So I've got a blacktail and a mountain goat I still need to grind, and I've got. Already ground up. I think I've got 60 pounds ready for sausage making, which I'm planning on doing t- as soon as I get off with you. So, stoked.
1: I know. And remember, like before this went down, we were literally just getting ready yeah. to get together to, to, to film a, a processing and sausage deal. And I, I want I want to do I, I'm saving a bunch of snow geese and a bunch of different off ducks. I'm not going to do it with my rice fed mallards or sprig or my specs, but I got a bunch that I'd like to just do a whole slurry of all ducks and geese and get a bunch of sausage going.
0: Yeah, that's well, it's funny because my phone gave me a notification. It's like sausage making with Chad Belding today. And I was like, oh, dude, (laughs) that was how much has everything changed in a matter of a month or whatever? It's like a completely different world. Now I'm here, like, I haven't talked, I haven't been out of like interacted with hardly anyone. And now I'm like, oh, I'm still making sausage today. Cool. (laughs) That's good. Yeah, that's (laughs) that's all I've been doing. I completely forgot about it.
1: I know. It's like, it's, 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 it, it it is a weird weird deal i'm i'm not bitching i'm i'm optimistic i'm positive i'm i'm abiding by the leadership and staying home and keeping my daughter safe she has a little touch of asthma so i'm really concerned about her lungs and her respiratory system so i've just been going the extra length to make sure that we don't go anywhere and it's working yeah. out we're 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 doing a lot of home ec and a lot of Physical education. Neighbors are stopping by and watching us do jumping jacks and sit ups in the driveway on pads. And and we're cooking wild game. And she's learning how to you know flash fry and cast iron. She's learning Dutch oven. She's learning the Traeger. So you know, there's a lot of positive coming out of it. And I hopefully. We can get back and, and we're learning something not to take life for granted or the little things that we have in life for granted. Because just the youth hunt, for example, the, the dinner we cooked out there and the high-fiving. And I posted a picture yesterday of you taking a picture of Alyssa with her canvas back. And not to have that ever again and have to live like this, it just shows you how special this lifestyle is.
0: Oh, Yeah. No, it's funny. I saw that a friend of mine sent me the picture. He's like, hey, look at the guy in the background. And I said, yeah, every time a canvas back hits the water, I magically appear.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I still think the bull called the bugle and everything worked out so perfect.
0: Bugle the bulls, man. That was so funny. That was a lot of fun. Um,
1: the, really, and yeah. it worked. It worked because I kept telling you, go ahead and bugle no one in. It's like, every time you did, oh, we, yeah. uh, they'd, they'd appear out of thin air.
0: Dude, you gotta make the we got somebody's gotta make a canvas-back bugle tube. It's gonna be great.
1: Dude, it's yeah, I mean hell, why would you not? But yeah, man, we're doing this Essential of Duck Hunting series. And I started thinking, you know, well, I, I, I had a, a podcast with Tyler marketing for Traeger, and he's awesome with b- recipes. But um as far as the essentials of the duck hunt go, I wanted to get down, and you already started elaborating on it a little bit with your sausage, but I wanted to get down with we we started this. The essentials this week with outfitting and guiding, and I talked to some outfitters—one in Texas, one in California—on what is essential to success, consistent success, creating memories, the story, um, you know, the migration and the weather, obviously, but the essentials that we have control over of being able to, you know, read a plot map or read a weather report or a forecast and then figuring out how to apply that with your scouting so we brought vortex in and mark boardman and we went over the entire the, the entire process of, of glassing and what all are you looking for in your scouting and then we moved on to camouflage and concealment and then we moved on to the shotgun and benelli and then i moved we moved on to ammunition we moved on to decoys we moved on to the apparel and staying comfortable and warm and dry we moved on to gerber and the knife and we with butchering and processing we moved on to um is that the last one i believe that's the last one i might be oh and then we have the duck call jargon and now that was before that's before the knife and then after the knife comes traeger and and i wanted to talk to you because you do this so much you 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 walk the walk of 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 telling people You know it's easy to go on social media and say, "Yeah, I'm I'm cooking wild game today," and show it, and then you know it it could be a you know a piece of beef roast or something, right? Which is fine too. But you literally cook wild game most days of your life. You're out and about in different countries all over the world, and even when you're on in those worldly travels, you're cooking wild game there and sharing that bounty with the locals, the villages, the tribes, whatever it is, other hunters. And so I wanted to talk with you because I think that as far as the essentials of the entire hunt encompassed right gum and 360 farming sustainability how farmers feed wildlife and how we scout and ask farmers for permission to hunt their land or landowners to hunt their ranches whatever and then we take an animal and then we 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 eat that animal that was eating the food that the farmer was growing that we asked the permission to hunt you know it's all relative so i wanted to talk to you about when it when you look at it that way remy i don't think there's a cooler lifestyle and i wanted to get your thoughts and, and some tips and tactics on like you did some stuff on antelope one time that was so intriguing and, and and inspirational on instagram about field care and antelope are hard to take care of in 80 to 90 100 degree heat in the nevada desert in august so you are you you you, you know what you're doing you understand and and on top of that you're known for big game because of your affiliations your videos your meat eater your your solo hunter but you are a duck hunter at heart also you love waterfowl is that fair to say
0: oh yeah i mean before i did a lot of big game hunting it was i was just like waterfowl crazy and in recent years i most of my personal hunting is waterfowl hunting i i do film a lot of stuff and do a lot of other hunts but I get back to my roots all the time, do a lot of waterfowl hunting, and it was really fun to get my wife into it this year and just see her as hooked as I was. I'm like, okay, there's something to this, something to hunting ducks, something to getting out in the marsh that's just, it's awesome.
1: And do you enjoy eating it?
0: Oh, yeah. That's the whole reason I love duck hunting. Duck is one of my favorite uh, favorite wild game meals to prepare most of the time is duck. I think it just comes from my great grandpa. They actually, the guy that I named am named after Remy, he was a, he was a competition duck caller. He was, he, he lived down in central Valley, California would do a lot of duck hunting. And it's just like, he was a French he's, he's from France, but it's like cooking ducks and French and hunting that all just combines into my heritage. And I just feel like that was something that was passed down to me, duck hunting and cooking ducks. It's just, it just reminds me of him as well. It's, it's one of those things that's just, it's so intertwined in my life.
1: And, and when you, when you go back to your roots of it, does the, does the table fair play a big part in that, of learning that from the guys that came in your family before you and and kind of blaze that trail in the hunting world for you?
0: Yeah, a lot of it. But then there's, there's a lot where I just kind of took what I know or, or something that I loved and, and really dove into it. Um, a lot so off the, the top of your well. head right now,
1: right now, I'm just going to come out with it. Um, Mallard breast, you harvested it. Ha- do you freeze it? Do you like fresh duck? It's got the skin and the fat on go. What do you do with it?
0: Normally I don't freeze it. I, I just leave it in the fridge. I may let it uh, rest for a day or a couple days. I, I kind of like it to age a little bit if I can, but fresh is fine. Um, one of my favorite, I mean, if i'm cooking it with something i put a little bit of fat back in with bacon i love to i love the the sweet and savory aspect of duck like the real fatty pieces of skin with the savory a little bit of salt in there and then something sweet so uh, if i if i've got a breasted out um, not a whole duck but just say a breast with some skin on it what i would do if i had it right this second i would cut a hole in through the thick part. I would stuff it. I first uh, fry up, like start cooking some bacon in the pan. I toss in some apples. I toss in some thyme, some rosemary. Then I would stuff that in the breast. Then I would sear the breast uh, right on the, in that cast iron and then stick it in the oven and then slice it. Maybe if I wanted a little hint of more sweet, some kind of like homemade chutney or some kind of glaze on the top to finish it in the oven. And that's like so good.
1: And what yeah. is the what is the um the temp? is it medium rare for sure?
0: Oh yeah, medium rare for sure. So I'll pull you, it when out about one twenty five, something like that.
1: Nice, and then yeah. let it sit for a little bit before you slice yep. it. Um yeah. On the on the 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 apples and the thyme, are you finishing that almost all the way before you stuff it because I understand you know when with duck you're it doesn't take a lot of heat for very long to get it to that temperature and you never want to overcook it so yeah. are, are, are you ta- are you just flash frying it for like a minute and a half each side with that stuff finished in it and then onto a cookie sheet into the oven.
0: Yep, yeah, I'm I'm sauteing what if I if I'm doing like a stuffed breast like that, I saute it in the pan so it's all done. Like the bacon's crispy and cooked. I it's chopped up real fine. The the apples then kind of get cooked in that little bit of bacon grease that's left over with and then I you add I add the herbs last because I want them to be real aromatic and I don't want them to degrade in flavor, especially the time. I like it to be fresh. So it's kind of a matter of timing. You start with the bacon, you add the apples and saute it. You could even do a little bit of onion in there if you want. Saute it till it's almost like caramelized, and then stuff it. Throw a little herb in there or herb at the last minute, and then then you sear the i just like to sear the skin get a good crust on it and then I'll put it in the oven at a high temperature like 400 degrees and it might take 5 minutes, 7 minutes, something like that. um maybe less. God,
1: so I'm hungry. And I've done this. I've done something really close to it on the traeger with with you know starting some s- different ingredients but along the same lines didn't have apples but i'm going to try that but did the the cast iron on high heat on the timberline 1300 and and got all of that started and then had the duck had the duck started a little tiny bit and then and then stuffed it and then i take it off i take it off of that trigger, and i have my second traeger going a little ranger and i have that going at somewhere right around 375 and i put it back on that one and just finish it on the in a convection style manner to where the heat's not very high and i and i it's about four or five minutes on that as well and when you take it out slice it slice it against the grain and but but the thing that i did different that i started doing a lot and i'm sure you've done this but and bacon fat's fine, but I really started taking a lot of the speck skin and fat that we were killing in California and rendering that down and freezing it. And my buddy, Mike Parker showed me how to do that. And he's like, all of these tubs, he had all of these, like, you know, like what macaroni salad would come in. And he had four of them full. He says that gets me through my entire year. I, I, I do it with my first few geese and that will last me my entire year. I take it out, take, you know, spoonful a little bit out after it thaws and then freeze it back and, and use yep. that rendered speck fat. It's unbelievable.
0: It's, yeah, if you've got – I've actually got a jar of uh, duck fat in my fridge right now, and I oh. use it for cooking everything. But everything. most of the ducks I shoot around here are like late-season spoonbills, so they don't have a lot of fat on them.
1: Have you ever – Chad Ward <laughs> – I don't know if you know that name, Chad Ward, with Traeger and Whiskey Bent Barbecue, but he showed me this recipe a while back before it was ever on the Traeger app. I think it's on the Traeger app, but it's it's baked beans with applesauce or sliced apples in it. Um, oh, yeah. And, and, I, and, I, and he uses bacon in it. Well, I took that, I left the bacon out and I just started it with some duck fat and let those beans get warm, the buck, duck fat. And then the, the apples. Oh my gosh, dude. So Unbelievable. Good. Yeah. Like, yeah. and that's the thing about cooking duck is that how many times have you, how old are you, Remy? You're 33, 30, uh, 35, 35 years old. How many times have you heard in your short time on earth, but a lot of travel and a lot of hunts, a lot of experience. How many times have you heard somebody in your circle or in one of your hunting buddy circle, your family, whatever, say that duck sucks to eat and goose sucks to eat?
0: Oh, so many people. And then I'm like, (laughs) all right, cook it. And they cook it to just this shoe leather consistency. And you're like, yeah, no one, no one like that. If that that was my example of duck, I would hate duck. I, I actually remember one of the first times I had duck. It was disgusting. I feel like it was like cooked in some kind of mushroom soup till it was dry and leathery and it was just disgusting.
1: I had the same exact experience with pheasant. Like to this day, I tell people, I'll eat pheasant. And they go, okay, well, I'm gonna cook it tonight, and I go, no, 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 you didn't let me finish. I'll eat pheasant if you let me cook it. And I'm not the best cook in the world, but dude, people think that you can cook a pheasant just like a chicken, and I'm like, no, you don't want to get it anywhere close to that temperature that you would cook a real chicken breast to. And you also don't ever want it to dry out. There's not a worse meat in the world than wild pheasant. And the first time I had it, cream of mushroom soup in one of those oh. like one of those casserole pans, you know? Yeah,
0: that's and they, the, that's disgusting. <laughs> oh god. Oh, stop making that, please people stop making it. So many
1: people <laughs> so make gross. it. And, I, and I'm just like, I am Ugh. so and I like mushrooms, but when they start doing wild game in that meat, I'm like, no, that's not how you cook duck. So if you if you have a um you said a couple things in in your in your in your recipe there. Why would you age a duck? Let's say that you have it fresh and we both love to eat fresh duck. We like, like fresh fish, sushi, oh, stuff yeah. like that but you've heard whiskey ages, you've heard wine ages, you hear beef ages and, you know, age, age dried and all that. Why would you age a duck? Because a lot of times I will hang ducks and not, and not take the feathers off of them for four or five days. they let them age within that temperature and a good temperature. Obviously it can't be hot, but I let them age with the feathers and the skin and everything on. Obviously the guts are out of them, but I'll age them like that and then cut the meat out of them. Why do you, why would you age a duck?
0: Yeah, I do the same thing. It, just like anything, um, so every muscle after, after something dies, whether it's beef, whether it's chicken, whether it's a duck, it doesn't matter. It, it gets rigor mortis, and there's this whole chemical thing that I just don't even have to go into, but essentially it's like, it's like uh, the muscle tightens. And it's, you know, when you get something, like if you shoot a deer, you see it a little bit more when the the legs get stiff or think about shooting a duck. And at the end of the day, you know, when you first pick it up, its wing falls down and everything's loose and then it starts to tighten up. Well, that's, that's the act of rigor mortis. Now, the time that it takes the rigor mortis to set in has a lot of factors of, okay, how were they shot? How did they die? This, that, and the other thing, but it takes about 24 hours for that rigor to break down especially in larger pieces. Now you think about ducks, I mean a duck or a goose is a is a large bird that for some reason has mastered the art of flight. I mean but think about the weight of a bird and the size of their wings. They're you know, they've got fast wing beats because it's it's a heavy mass that they're flying around and that a lot of that wing and flight, they fly from Canada down to Mexico. They're they're using their muscles a lot. So it just happens to get rigor mortis like that lasts a little bit longer. And, and because of that, you know, that, that a lot of flapping, it's real aerobic meat, uh, or anaerobic. And, uh, so that muscles like that's why duck breasts and goose breasts are dark. Whereas a chicken breast, chickens don't fly around. So they aren't flapping. That's why it's white meat. The difference between white meat and dark meat is what gets used. You look at chicken legs, they're darker because they're running around. Um, you know, ducks also have dark legs cause they swim a lot. But by hanging it, you're allowing that rigor mortis to break down. And so you're just going to get a, t- a more tender product in the end.
1: And if you, don't, if you don't hang it and you choose to cut it out, let's say that you don't breast the full bird, but you cut it out with the skin and the fat on. You know, you pluck the belly and, and the breast pl- over the breastplate, and then you slice it out to get the tenderloin and the piece of breast meat out. And then you set it on in a, in a paper towel. Do you when, you, when you age a duck that way, Do you age it at room temp? Do you age it in a refrigerator? And if you do, either way, do you put it in a Ziploc or some kind of containment um, when you're aging it with the meat exposed like that?
0: Yeah, that's a little bit of personal preference. Um, For me, most ducks, it depends. Like if I've got them whole, I, I what I call dry age. And then if I've breasted it out, I choose what's known as wet aging. So the difference would be dry aging, like think about dry aged beef. What that is, is the beef is hung and there's air circulating around it at a refrigerated temperature, but it draws the moisture out as it's dry aging. Um, so you lose a little bit of that like blood and, um, but you get that, you get the aged flavor and with that aged flavor, it's increased tenderness. So aging is essentially controlled decomposition, but, um, With the wet aging, you don't lose as much volume because it's not evaporating out the liquid. So for like breasts and stuff, I prefer them to be, I kind of don't, I'm not a real big fan of dry aged. And I think that the breasts, when you leave them dry aged, they they tend to shrivel up and lose a lot of that juice. So for the breasts, I would probably vacuum seal them or put them in a Ziploc depending on how long I'm going to let them sit. And then stick it in the refrigerator for a, a whole duck. I'd probably pull it out and let it let it dry age a little bit because it's a larger mass, and it just helps break it down even more. So it makes all the pieces a little more tender.
1: Yeah, it's a great it's a great definition there, and a great and a great explanation. And I think that um, most people rush meat in my opinion meaning that if they if they just let's take a steak for example you take it out that morning and you thaw it out the night before whatever and then you put it in the refrigerator and you go to work and then you come home and it's time to get the steak ready i i i kind of like to take my steaks out and let them sit for 45 to at 90 minutes in room temperature and then and then let that those membranes and those tendons you know get loosened up a little bit to where it doesn't reject any any of the whether it's a salt or a rub or dry rub i don't marinate a lot of red meat even though you can marinate duck and make it taste really good or a beefsteak and make i think you can but i'm more of a dry guy in my rubs as well um do you ever do anything along the lines in your duck or goose where you you know like you talked about the stuff where you make the butterfly cut or however you are cutting your meat to stuff it you can i do nerf footballs where you where you kind of try to slice it and then you stuff it like a little pita pocket and we call them yep. mallard we call them mallard nerf balls and they're just un. and then you wrap them in some kind of I, I prefer wild game bacon um some kind of wild pork or like a 4-h california pork with the real thick slices that are they're they're just thicker they're wider they're not really thick cut thick cut yep. you know mm-hmm. um but do you ever take like a a penetration method of poking the meat and then stuffing like thyme and basil and garlic into the meat like that when you cook it? Or is it always more of a butterfly long cut and then stuff all of the started vegetables in there that way?
0: Yeah, I mean, no. For like the stuffed breasts, I normally just do like a small incision and and stuff it that way. Um, For like, uh, I like whole ducks or just all, kind of hole because then I, you can stuff the cavity with whatever you want and it kind of cooks in that. Um, but it just depends. I mean, most of the time I'm doing kind of like a, a smaller cut and then stuffing it, but I've done the, the pita pocket <laughs> football way as well. Um, it just depends. Yeah.
1: Have you, have you, um, tell me if I'm I'm wrong here, if you disagree with me, not that I'm wrong, but if you disagree with this statement, I'm not a chicken cordon bleu fan or a, the only, like, if I do get a little blue cheese on a piece of red meat, it would be a tiny, tiny bit, right? Because I like the taste of meat and I don't, and I think a strong cheese like that overpowers it. I think it can accompany it in the right, right amounts, but with duck, a lot of wild game i prefer no cheese i don't like to have any cooked cheese on my meat now ground taco meat and stuff different story but when we're talking these kind of recipes with duck do you ever add cheese into a stuffing like that or on top of it do you ever add cheese to any kind of wild game
0: um yeah i mean i've done like blue cheese uh blue cheese crumble on top of steaks and stuff like that. I mean, I like it. I think it's kind of adds like a a little bit of a rich flavor to especially like more mild steak cuts. Um, I like to just kind of like balance flavors as well. So you kind of got, I'm a big fan of like things that like things that are kind of opposites. So something that's sweet, something that's savory, something that might be, um, you know, like hot and cold or like different textures as well. And I, I mean, I'm, I'm a fan of like adding some cheeses to certain dishes. It just depends what it is, honestly. Um, I think there's a lot of ways where it, it like brings out certain flavors that you don't even notice too. Uh, when I when I think of like the way that I cook is, is kind of, I don't know, the way that I've like always cooked is I, I just like, if I've tried something, I never look up how to make it. Like I just try to make it off of the way that it tasted to me and all my recipes, I kind of just like create that way. But I create my recipes based, like I have a really good sense of smell. So I can, I can pretty much, if you fed me something, I can pretty much figure out 75% of the ingredients by smelling it and then the other 25% by tasting it. So I like to be able to like mix and match things that way that kind of, I don't, I don't even know how to explain it, but that's just like the way that I cook. I think a lot of people do something similar where they're like constantly experimenting. And there's so many times where you're like, okay, Man, this like the cheese brings out a completely different tone or flavor of whatever you're eating, but not. I mean, I wouldn't. I don't just slather it on everything either. Duck, not. A, I mean, I I don't really put. I don't know if I've ever put cheese on duck, to be honest.
1: I I, I think I oh, have actually.
0: Made- yeah, the jalapeno. The everybody's secret recipe, and you know it. <laughs> It's the that cream it's cheese and jalapeno popper. popper. Yeah, the cream
1: cheese. You know what I can't. I, I, like... I can't eat cream cheese. I, I I can't even look at it oh. without getting wigged out. I hate it like bad. Hate it like when I see people put it in a sushi roll or in those duck poppers. You could go around any duck camp and ask people like Belding will not allow it, or I'll I'll go get another kind of cheese. And uh, but most of my poppers are all cheese free. Like I just like the taste yeah. of the jalapeno and the duck meat and maybe a tiny bit of the bacon if it's good bacon. But I'm really critical and picky on bacon for some reason. Two.
0: You know, what I really like, I use um, for that kind of recipe, I use uh, water chestnuts.
1: Oh, yeah. Because awesome. it's got
0: like that crunch and it yeah. like soaks up that real savory, like juice of the duck. Yeah. And that's, yeah, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of that.
1: Now, if you watch a lot of the recipes that I've done on The Foul Life, you would hear me say, like I was just watching one from Canada from like four years ago, and I was doing duck fajitas one day in the parking lot of this hotel and somewhere in central Alberta, and the next day I did a duck fried rice on a bar, on a Traeger, and I'm just throwing stuff together on foil, and we just had to make do with what we had because the stores didn't have a lot of stuff in this little country town of Canada. And you hear me say like three times of mixing salts and sweets. My dad always taught me the salts and the sweets. When you say it, you say the word savory, sweet and savory. What do you define savory as?
0: Yeah. So savory is, it's like hard to explain. It's like a a taste called umami. Like it's a, um, it's not necessarily sweet and it's not necessarily salty, but it's like the rich flavor of meat. The, uh, like the, the flavor of beef like that. That's the savory flavor.
1: And, and would you say that out of all the wild game that, like you said about your sense of smell and recognizing something by, by the ingredients by smell and then 25% taste. Do you feel that waterfowl is a very savory meat in the, in as far as the the kingdom of wild animals goes? Because I, I think I feel that it is. And I think that it's like, there's also some big games that are big game animals that are way more savory than others. Like, like moose is way more savory to me than a mule deer for some reason. Is that fair to say in your opinion with waterfowl and the moose and mule deer? statement?
0: Yeah. I mean, uh, waterfowl, well, it's, 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 it's kind of different than one of the reasons that I really like it. It's really rich and I I would more, I would more describe it as rich because it's got, it's got that fat content. And that's one of the reasons that I really like waterfowl very little, like my, when your entire diet's wild game, aside from, I will buy a little bit of bacon every now and then, and throw it into a few of my few recipes and duck's probably one that you don't need to add it to because you know duck does have that natural fat it is fatty it does have that like really rich taste you know you could you could eat a duck breast that's like this like a small one half of a duck breast and it seems to fill you up more than the same portion of something super lean like a antelope steak
1: I agree a hundred percent, and I th- and when you were starting your recipe about the stuff, um, the stuffing and the herbs and the the all of the all of the you know the time and, and whether it's base whatever herbs you use, what do you define when you say aromatic? Is that the sense that the that the flavoring of that vegetable can be sensed through smell in the room, or what did you mean by that when you said that that you really like that part of, of 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 the different herbs that you use?
0: Yeah, it's 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 got a lot of like it kind of has that, that smell to it, but also, you know, it imparts that, it imparts that flavor to, um, like the whole piece of meat where if you, if you cook it down ahead of time and then it starts to lose that power, that strength of the herb. So it depends if you want it to like be more, have more of that flavor, then you can kind of do it a little bit later in the cooking. If you want it to be more doled down, then you can start it sooner
1: if you, if I told you, Remy Warren, I would like you to cook me. I really want to talk about what we did in in February because that speckle yeah. belly goose was phenomenal. So like that good, was phenomenal, yeah. right? We're going to get there. But if I came to you and I said, Remy Warren, I want you to take this herb and it's fresh basil, not the, not the dried out basil. It's fresh basil leaves and they're out of the garden. What do you do with that basil to get that arrow? Your vocabulary on that word is way better than mine. I think it would be is it is it just aromatic that the I want you to get the aromatic out of that?
0: Oh yeah. Oh, for basil, you slap that basil. You ever you, you put it in your hand, you slap it. Yeah. yeah well, I slap like, it on
1: the meat too, like that, yep, and then on your hand. It, yeah. It,
0: it essentially draws the oil out of the inner parts and, and breaks down some of the like the cellular construction of the basil leaf and just pushes what like the scent and the flavor is really you know hidden inside some of that. It's it's the the essence of it the oils in it and so you smash that give it a good slap in your hand um, I always like if I'm cooking I'm just like slap that basil <laughs> just slap it and then just it, it really that's a great name, for a,
1: cookbook, yeah, a great name for a cookbook dude yeah that's a great name for a cookbook but give me an idea of a good recipe with give me an Italian style wild game recipe where basil will be very out front of it
0: uh, very recognizable style? you know yeah, what? give me give me something okay. with basil in Italian yeah, I was gonna say... I was gonna say I like I like Thai uh, Thai food's Thai good cooking too. As well.
1: Oh, like dude, I'm so I'm so addicted to Thai I mean, and Asian I, food right I'll, now. Dude, I'll
0: go into the I'll go into some Italian, but I will say like red duck curry is one of my favorite things to make with duck.
1: Oh, you got to um, do that! Can I get that recipe from you?
0: Yeah, for sure. Do
1: you even know yeah. your recipes, or you like me, where it takes a lot of discipline yeah, no. to sit down and do it? <laughs>
0: Yeah. I just, I mean, I just go and start cooking something and you just, I have absolutely no clue. I mean, I know what I put in it or, and then sometimes when I'm there, I'll just be like, ah, I'll throw this in. It's, you know, so I actually do on my Instagram stories. I do like a few recipes of some other things. Uh, just, I'm actually going to post it tomorrow, but I did, um, I just did some like pulled, uh, venison shoulder, whatever, kind of like pulled pork style. And then, um, I picked some wild onions, uh, yesterday and and threw that in there, and then I was going to make some barbecue sauce with the wild onions. And I'm like, okay, if I'm going to re- – I have no clue how I make barbecue sauce. I just make barbecue sauce. I'm like, I don't know how much I add or what. So I'm like measuring it out, and then I'm adding more, and I'm trying to write down. It was just such chicken scratch mess <laughs> at the end. And I'm like, yeah, it's okay. If I was just going to town and making it however I wanted, it would just be kind of free form, and you don't even think about it.
1: Yeah, um, it's crazy how you cook yeah. like that. But you know what? We, we're coming out with this cookbook um, – I'd say in the next three months, it's, 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 you, you say, yeah, I'm gonna do a cookbook. And then you get into it and you're like, man, to do a cookbook, right. And you're, you've seen Steven do it. And I'm sure you've worked on some, but man, I, 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 I have the name, the provider, and I trademarked this name and I have this whole mindset of, of this cookbook of, you know, it doesn't have to all, it's not going to be a hundred percent wild game because Chad Ward's involved in it. And there's going to be some traditional barbecue, but I started sitting down and having to come up with these recipes, and uh, and and. But I wanted it to be more than just here's the recipe. Follow this. I wanted to show, you know, processing and butchering and game game processing in the field care and and it's kind of the stuff you do with that antelope. But really go in depth on some things to give people a, an overview, and and then also show the influence and the inspiration. Like Miss Shelley in, in Louisiana, she does this squirrel gravy, this brown gravy with with uh, with onion soup, dry onion soup mix as the base. It's the most simple recipe in the world. And when you eat this squirrel, Remy, you're just like, squirrels a pain in the ass to eat they're like crawfish but they're so they're so good and the bones there's a lot of bones and you got to be real patient with yourself you've eaten squirrel i'm sure but it's almost like a lot of work for a little bit of meat but those bites are just like just magic right kind of like crawfish crawfish boils yeah. are fun and they're social but if you're not having a good time at a crawfish boil and drinking a cold beer and socializing it's a lot of work for a little bit of meat and but i you know i'm the guy that'll sit there for four hours after that night and pick the rest of them and then take all of those tails and have them ready to eat or the claw meat and have them ready for a bunch of different recipes. But this cookbook, I had to really sit down, Remy, and be like, man, I got to measure this stuff. And I got to say, all right, are you feeding four to six people? And for that, here you and it's a lot of work, man. but for to do it, you know, to do it right. So I'm excited about the idea of being able to take this recipe I'm going into of we literally were freestyling and I don't know how like the our attitudes that weekend. That was one of the funnest hunts I had of the year. And I went to a lot of cool places and I had a lot of good times, but me and you and Stanley and, and, and all of the, the video crew there and all the members at the club and the kids like, obviously when you're nine, you don't understand what Remy and I and the Sabini's Tom and Sam and Clay and everybody's doing out at the grill, right? You're just, you're a kid and we were the same way. It'd be weird if a nine-year-old was standing there watching every move you make, you know, at duck camp with a bunch of other kids around. But what we did in those two nights, it was like, I guess the easiest way to say what I'm feeling right now is like, I, and I've said this before, Remy, there is not a cooler way to live or a cooler way to spend a Friday or Saturday night in really cold temperatures with really windy conditions. You've been in way colder. I've been in way colder. You've been in way colder than I have, I'm sure. But for those kids, it was cold. Agreed? Yeah. So I just can't think of a better way, like 18 holes of golf, country club, appetizer with a beer, maybe. Cool. But that whole lifestyle that we get to live, I often think I'm mesmerized by those two nights. And I know that you go to... Way, uh, way far destinations around the world from Asia to Australia to you've been everywhere. It's there's something special about that dirt that we were standing on. And I'm really painting a picture of what it meant to me to like be back at the club where I was around the Dave that really taught me how to hunt, like really taught me how to duck hunt. My dad was a mule deer hunter and a antelope hunter and an elk hunter. He was a big game guy. I, yeah. It just really made me think like. Could I ever, if I was a billionaire, would I change? I don't, I couldn't like that right there is everything. And I think that that's why hunting and you said it the best. And I always quote you in so many podcasts. I quoted you today and yesterday about my good friend, Remy Warren says, this is a privilege. It is not an entitlement. We are not guaranteed this right to hunt. It's a privilege. And what you even went as far as saying in one podcast that it would be a hunter that got it taken away or revoked or the chance of that right it, it would be a hunter oh, yeah. not taking care of it right and when you say that and then you think about all of the passion that you have for it, and i'm wa- and we're cooking and i watched you i literally would watch you you would reach over and grab a piece of the spec meat and we had a lot of wild game down there we were cooking our butts off and i would look at you and you'd be like oh yeah oh yeah that's it and then you were taking pictures and then you posted some of that stuff and you get it like you get it in a way to where if people that were thinking about coming into this lifestyle, right? I might hunt this court where I'm going with this means I know I'm being long winded, but this quarantine has really taught me that nights like that, not only do we take them for granted and we live them so much, you and I go and we go and we go and we meet and we meet, and we work and we hunt and we hunt and we get so much excitement out of it. But it really made me sit down and go, that was special. I literally almost started crying the second time on Dave's shoulder to say, thank you. I cried when my daughter, when Alyssa did what she did, to see less reaction on his 79th birthday and then the, and then the cooking and then to know that now during this quarantine, those kids were taught that weekend. Like we were shooting our dinner. We were, they were eating ducks and geese. Those night those, those both of those nights at the club that were harvested on that same club. It's just the coolest thing to me.
0: I mean, that, that's just, the whole that's the lifestyle you know and it, and to explain that to somebody that doesn't get it you almost like you you just have to have that experience because it's it's so experiential and it's so it, it just encumbers i mean it, that's our lives and then to see those kids just so excited about something that we are I mean you remember being that excited and whether you got into it as a kid or even I mean adults like I see my wife get that excited she shot her first goose this year and it was just like that that same excitement that I had when I shot my first goose and I st- I still get excited when I shoot a duck or a goose you know well I mean how dude when a when a when a bull sprig comes in and you just smoke you're just like oh like that excitement level of you know, a bunch of mallards drop it into your decoys. And it's just like that, that really cool excitement level. And then to take that and throw down in the kitchen or whatever, and you, you eat it and you're like, Oh my God, this is the best thing I've ever eaten. And I think a lot of the, the flavor has to do with the experience as well, but it is, it's just, it's the coolest lifestyle. And it's so fun to be a part of sharing that with uh, new, new hunters, kids, whoever it's, it's cool.
1: And and I love the fact that you can also say that it's so cool to share that lifestyle with new hunters, kids. It's so cool. And then you could back that up and extend it by going, and if you're in camp with the most experienced hunters in the world and Les Nesbitt, who's in the Boone and Crockett Hall of Fame, which doesn't mean a whole lot to Les, but that's an accolade. He's, he's shot a lot of nice big game animals. Um, the stuff that he has said to me that day and since then was like, that like brought me back like that made that made him go, wow, this is why we do this. He was seeing those kids first time and he was acting like it was his first time. You could be oh, in yeah. camp, I'm sure, with Steven or Cameron or the guys that you've ran with and and Tim and, and Solo Hunter and all of those guys. And that, that feeling is like, I don't know if I've ever had the been there, done that feeling in hunting. It's always new to me. Now I have had feelings come over me to where like the business side of it sometimes would get to me. And I would question like, man, I'm, 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 you know, you're working it every day of the year. And then you, but hunting always brings me back. The hunt always brings me back of why we do it, you know? And like right now it's April and I'm, I'm, I've had three phone calls today on duck calls. I'm not supposed to be talking about duck calls this time of year, but I am. And I love it. Like I'm, you waking up at four in the morning and I'm going to bed at probably midnight because my brain's going and I'm just excited. And I think a lot of it also has to do is that I'm so focused because I'm getting a lot of work done that I wouldn't necessarily be doing as much of during this quarantine. And I'm sure you yeah. are, too. But I just think that when you can share that on that level with a nine-year-old, a 79-year-old in the same boat, and then you can go to camp with guys that have, that have killed more elk or sheep or deer than you can shake a stick at or ducks, and you get that high-five feeling and that, that whether it's a, a biscuits and gravy breakfast or, or, a, or just a storytelling part at a duck lodge or whatever and duck camp and a campfire, there's, it's just the food is a socializing piece of it. And wherever you go in the world, Europe. South America, America, in a lot of instances, food is a social e- event, right? It's a social, ex- not experiment, but it, yeah, sometimes an experiment, but an experience. And the, the wild game aspect of that provider mentality, that's why I wanted to talk to you about it, is that you will literally, a lot of times, you probably figure out how to eat most of every animal that you harvest. Like, how do you figure out how to utilize every part of this? Well, duck legs are awesome to eat. Duck legs are great in a gumbo and in a flash fry and a lot of work as far as getting the meat off of them. And there's not a ton on there, but it's great, right? So I'm sure that you have that mentality that I'm going to figure out new ways this year, how to, I want to really get good at a pho, a pho broth. I want to take a Vietnamese style broth and I want to figure out how to cook it down the right way because I don't know how to do it. And every time I try it, I throw it out because it's nowhere close to what it's supposed to taste like. So now I'm trying to figure out new ways of cooking down different animals and getting that broth going and the basis of it. And, and, and I, I maybe I'll never get there, but that's my personal challenge now to be able to create a really strong wild game broth for a pho style soup.
0: Yeah. No, it's cool to have those. Just keep experimenting, keep trying new things, and you know, it just it just adds into. Hey, we you shoot a lot of ducks? Well, you're constantly wanting to eat them because you have so many different ways to cook them and prepare them, and that's the whole reason that I just ma- mess around and make so many different types of dishes is because all I eat is wild game. So if I kept ate keep, kept eating the same steak cooked the same way every night, which I think I mean unfortunately a lot of people do with wild game is they've got their one recipe and that's the one they like but maybe it's because they don't experiment enough with some other stuff then i probably get bored but when you just make it your lifestyle you start playing around with it like that's that's half the fun too you you had a great time on the hunt and then just come back home and and mess around and try some new recipes try making some different stuff like that that's all part of the experience
1: i love it's so it means so much to me that I, I I had, a I want to introduce you to, do you know Dave Stanley? Um, he, you know his son really well, John David. Yeah. Okay. Have yeah, you we met jo- school together. Have you met John David's wife?
0: Uh, yeah, just briefly at, um, at Katie's wedding.
1: Have you spent much time looking at her artwork?
0: No, I haven't.
1: Are you got your phone with you right now?
0: I'm talking to you on it.
1: Oh, <laughs> um, Allie Beck Allie Beck Stanley. Allie has an E in it. Allie A L L E Y Beck Stanley. Go and look at it when we get off of her fish yeah, paintings. It'll blow your mind. Anyway, I, I want to. Wanted...
0: I, I saw a couple of them. Um, yeah, it looked awesome.
1: Dude, you would like I, I podcasted with her yesterday because I she came I podcasted with John David last week about the essentials of duck hunting, about outfitting in Texas. And she came on and started talking a little bit about because I, I, a year ago, I asked her to paint some mallards for me and I wanted to commission her for some shirt designs for foul life and jargon. So she's been working on that for me. Well, she had to, she had something to show me and I was blown away by her ducks. And then I saw this tarpon she just did for Tom Sabini and a couple other bass and stuff. And I'm like, and then she started talking. I'm like, I want a podcast with her because I, I sent something in her that she was legit. Dude, she started talking yesterday remy about her recipes and how she was so poor when she had her first kid that she couldn't decorate the house so she started painting and then she would go out and she got became obsessed with fly fishing then she met john david and they started this whole fly tying he 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 flies that he ties the flies they catch the fish take a picture with it you know they're really very very careful with their fish and how they pose for pictures and and keeping the fish in the water and then she would go home and paint that fish so now she's talking about now and then you know and then john david guides how part of the year part of his revenue is guiding in sam salmon fishing in alaska so she's up there with him and she starts to tell me this I'm, she starts to tell me, and you know all this about salmon, about how they are like the animal that feeds most of the more of the world than any other animal as far as wildlife species and human beings and, and all of the different ways that salmon feed the world. And she started talking about how she'll take the carcasses after they clean the salmon and bre- and fillet them out. She'll put the carcasses back in the river to feed all of the other animals that rely on that style of, of that food source. And then she start, then she started talking about how she's going to start making cooking pastes, with the fish eyes and, and boiling down some of the carcasses to make broths. And, and I started, I was like, man, this girl like gets it, dude. Like you and her would have like a conversation, like, man, dude, we're going to go back. Cause I know that you, that you've been, you love Alaska and they love it too. But I, 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 it was just amazing to me to, to see how this lifestyle penetrates with permeates. What's the right word penetrates uh, penetrates is with so many Different people where when I first met Allie, I was like, yeah, she's a cool girl, she's a cute girl. And then I you get you like get to talk to somebody and learn their story. And I was blown away by what she does for wild game cooking, painting, and all of how the way she approaches fly fishing and hunting now. Like it's just crazy this what this lifestyle can do
0: yeah that's cool that's awesome
1: yeah and i didn't know if you had met her yet but i think i think that it would uh when she comes back here with john dave we all need to get together and freaking throw down on a not really a contest but more of a uh smorgasbord kind of a potluck wild game thing i'm yeah, putting together I'm, awesome. I'm putting together something right now too that i wanted to talk to you about with with volunteers of america um, I had a conference call with them last week, and um, the Revilio family and Ricky and and, and he kind of spearheaded this for me, but. I wanted to do a wild game feed or donate a bunch of meat. Obviously, you can't go and cook for a bunch of people, but I wanted to donate something to the homeless. Well, they came back to me with another idea because the homeless are, are doing very well as far as food source right now goes in the community. They want us to do a wild game feast for the first responders of Washoe County and Northern oh, Nevada. Cool. So we're, we're working on the venue right now. I want you to be involved that when this is over, this pandemic and corona the coronavirus is over, hopefully sooner than later, that we can. put together a a cool little dinner to say thank you to a bunch of doctors and nurses and EMTs and first responders and firefighters and police officers and stuff. You want want to discuss that?
0: Yeah, that'd be sweet. I'd be down for that.
1: Wouldn't that be a cool deal?
0: Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah.
1: So I I think that we just get some of our comrades together and, and put that. But yeah, I wanted to do this podcast with you because I knew you would have some good insight and we could go on for 10 hours about what you've cooked and how to cook and all of that. But I think that... I think that that whole vision of waterfowl and the ability to cook it, skin on, fat on, rendering, searing, reverse searing, crispy skin, stuffing it, all of the different aromatics of the vegetables and the and the and the different herbs and spices, garden fresh stuff, basil, thyme. I think that I think that a duck hunter or somebody that has ducks in their possession or geese, they need to understand that you can confidently make this stuff taste as good as a piece of high-end, I'm going to say Wagyu. I think it's as good as the highest-end piece of beef there is.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, and there's just that whole – there's that added flavor that you can't buy in the store. It's that – the hard work, the the whole memory of it, the fact that you did it yourself. There's just so much to be said for for the ground-up process that when you taste it, it's like it tastes like success. And that's, that's,
1: oh, that's the a cool, cool thing th-
0: about being th- a hunter.
1: That's a cool analogy. Well, brother, I appreciate it, man. Let's get together when this is over and do our sausage processing. I really want to sure. do that. And we'll do, I want to do a couple different recipes with you. Um, what else you got coming up? Anything exciting or are you just laying low?
0: Uh, yeah. I mean, I've just been, I mean, I, I've been here, but hopefully I'll be getting out, going, doing some bear hunting pretty soon. Um, you know, I'm going to try to get some turkey hunting in. Uh, you know, it's just kind of, you're, you're doing uh, just like everybody else, you know, quarantining and doing everything you're supposed to do. But at some point I'm going to get out there, get into the field and and taking this time to kind of, I'm finishing up a book that I started a while ago, more of a how to elk hunting book. Uh, So that should be, I, I don't know. I figured, man, let's, let's just fast track this thing, get it done while people are sitting around twiddling their thumbs. We might as well. So I'm trying to work on that. But just as you know, man, I, I do so many different things. As soon as you sit down to do that, you got this going on, that going on. I spent six hours today in a sound studio talking and now I'm talking to you. So I'm doing a lot of talking, you know? <laughs> yeah, me too. Talk's cheap, man. I'm ready for some action. What <laughs> were you ready, doing? I'm are you,
1: rec- are, you re- are you recording a uh, an ebook? Are you recording a uh, audio book?
0: No, it's not that. I I can't uh, release it yet. I'm not going to say it's a Pixar film, but uh, it's pretty badass.
1: (laughs) Oh, dude, that's sick, dude. Yeah. Yeah, Very cool. That's Remy Warren. Check him out. What's your Instagram? At Remy Warren?
0: At Remy Warren. Yep, you got it.
1: Look for his new book, A How-To on Elk, but... This man's got it going on. You can find him on Solo Hunter. You can find his podcast, Closing the Distance, on all of the podcast formats and platforms. Download it, subscribe to it, listen to it, learn something. He is the man. Remy, thank you very much, brother.
0: Yeah, thanks. Catch
1: Appreciate it. I'll talk thanks. to you soon. This has been yeah. another... What's that, buddy?
0: Oh, no, I'm just excited. Ready ready for this thing to end, and we'll, we'll get together someday, and yeah, it'd be fun.
1: Uh, oh man, I, I you know it's almost like you, like your audio just kind of stuck there a little bit, and I kind of talked over and I and I and I was listening to Howard Stern about how he you know he's doing the same thing. Joe Rogan's doing the same thing we are right now, you know, and yep. you know Howard's like all anal and he's getting all upset and his fans start writing in. They're like, we love it. You're struggling as much as we are. You know, I would, I would most of the time be a perfectionist on audio or at least try to be right. And it's just, it's, 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 it it is what it is right now. And it's cool that we're living in an age of technology that we can even do this. Could you imagine being in the eighties and have this go on to where we wouldn't be able to, we'd be going crazier than we are right now.
0: Yeah, except in the '80s, you know, you get your news once a day. It'd probably keep people more sane. You're like, yeah, oh, what happened yesterday? Instead of every 30 seconds of news. <laughs> that's a good point up, too. You know, that's <laughs> a good like, point yeah. too. Just be a little more chilled out. But <laughs> all right, man. Well, stay right on safe.
1: On, Tell your wife hello. Stay healthy. Stay home, my man. That's Remy Warren. This has been another episode of the Foul Life Podcast. Today's episode was brought to you by our friends again at Traeger Grills. Thank you so much for supporting our partners and sponsors that support us. More episodes coming soon. Tom, hit that button. This is 2 a.m. Logic, My Foul Life.